We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Hey, this is Robin Jones Gunn, and we are going to have part two with my co-host and guest, Cheryl Bridgerson. One of the reasons we're doing this, and I was loath to do it, Robin yes, knows, I've been ditching it for a long time, I pressured her was it. because Robin is my newest co-host, replacing Jasmine. Mm-hmm. And Robin was saying that there are a lot of women going, now who's the Cheryl that's doing this podcast <laughs> with you? So she said, look, I gave my testimony. Now you have to give yours. So if I remember right, Robin, we were at uh, mm-hmm. high school with you. Yes, it was really endearing to hear the tenderness that you had toward the Lord during those growing up years. And I I know that you came to trust Christ early on and then really lo- loving the chance to see your friends come to know the Lord. You went to Christian College to Westmont. Just one year. Just one year. And then transferred to UCI. Yes. And Westmont was really hard for me. That was really traumatic. My faith was really tested. And I have to say, I feel it was my fault. I went up there um, a little bit jaded from some things I'd seen, you know, in church life. Mm-hmm. Anyone knows there's yeah. there's the devil comes to church, too, just like he was in the Garden of Eden. And I had some, had some things and... Um, my best friend had backslidden and Lisa, and it was just breaking my heart. And yet I didn't know where I really stood with the Lord. And I was compromised. Not anything you could see outwardly. It was all in my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, outwardly, I looked like I was just kind of hyperactive and just kind of like, um, you know, a little wild. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't do drugs. I didn't do any of those things. I didn't party. I uh, didn't, um, wasn't immoral at all. But in my heart, there was this um, chasm between Mm. me and God. And it was interesting because all through high school and all my life, I had always felt safe. I had always felt favored. And no matter how bad the situation was, and there were some really, you know, hard situations, scary situations. um, I had always, I was in the Yom Kippur War. That was one thing when I was in high school. We were, uh, as a family, we were there with a group and... um, Israel got attacked and we had to stay in a bomb shelter for a night and fly out with an airplane. So I had like other moments that were intense, but I always felt the favor of the Lord and I always felt safe. And that year at Westmont, I felt like this favor was removed and I didn't feel safe. I still Mm -hmm. got straight A's, Um, but there was a distance between me and the Lord. And I got back and I went lower than I ever thought I would go. And just really a time of um, self-loathing. I just hated myself after Westmont College, just hated myself. And um, just embarrassed of like what I'd done and who I was and what I was becoming. And I had this one boy that I would always date for two weeks, like every year from ninth grade on. And then I would break his heart. He was kind of like security for me and his mom was one of the most wonderful Christians I'd ever met in my life and I loved his family and he was a great guy but he wasn't the guy for me and so it'd be like two weeks I'll make this work and then no and that was like one of my lowest points and I remember um, telling Everything's my shuffling and you're figuring out who you are that's right and 
being independent and all that. All of that. So this is right before I was going to go to UCI. I told my dad, I need two weeks alone with the Lord. I want you to take me up to Twin Peaks, which is a conference center Mm -hmm. that Calvary owned. And I want you to leave me. So the first week was a family camp. So he didn't leave me. He was there at family camp. We were having a great time. And then there was the weekend. And the second week was a college and career camp that I was going to stay for. And during the weekend, I um, didn't know anybody on the camp uh, campus, and that was the time I just prayed every night and just sought the Lord, mm-hmm. asked for His forgiveness. It was like full repentance, fasting, just, I want to be alone, and I, I want to know you again, and I want to be close to you, and I'm mm-hmm. sorry for all I've done and okay. uh, you know what I've done with this, because this is me and not you. And I remember um, College of Careers started the camp. And this one night, they had a time of prayer after the camp, and I, I, I was praying on my knees, and I said, Lord, I've been so strong-willed, and I haven't trusted your will. Mm. And when it came to the choice of your will and my will, you know I've always chosen my will, and I have a problem with fear, Lord, and i not trusting you. So I'm telling you right now, I'm making this vow to you that even if it looks scary, I'll do your will and not mine. I will choose your will will over mine, mm-hmm. always, no matter what. And I remember afterwards, um, this uh, woman came to me, her name was Dee, and she said, can I talk to you for a second? And I said, sure. And she said, um, the Lord gave me a word for you. And I said, oh, did he? And she said, yes. And she said, um, he's going to give you the desire of your heart. And I said, well, you know, studying to be a teacher, I'm, you know, majoring in education, I'm, I'm going to be going to UCI, I'm, I'm working with junior high, I'm really excited about this, this direction. Mm-hmm. She said, no, no, you're going to be married before next summer, and uh, the Lord's going to give you uh, that person in your life to serve Him with. And not only that, but the Lord says that He's going to crown you with a crown of love, and that that is going to be your most outstanding feature is love. And I said, beautiful. <laughs> I said, okay. Now, why is she standing there telling me this? There's this guy that I barely know, and he's like, it's not me. I'm not marrying her. I'm not marrying her. And I looked at him and thought, if I can't get a guy like that, who does the Lord have for me, right? So, you know, the year continues, and I'm at UCI. I'm. Uh, they had a program where I could actually work on my ma- uh, my credential or master's at the same time I was going to uh, college. So I'm taking 22, um, 22 units every uh, quarter. I, I love school. Apparently. And I'm going to Calvary <laughs> at the lot. same time. And then I'm, um, I'm helping out with the junior high, and I get this job student teaching at, the junior, at a junior high, too, which I absolutely loved. And again, the Lord's favor— um, the teacher ended up, uh, her beauty salon was robbed. And so she ended up telling the um, the teacher that stepped in, just let Cheryl teach the class. And they had said at the time, I was taking Spanish because they said, if you don't speak Spanish, you won't get a job in California. And so I was taking Spanish just so I could have a job in California. But the principal of the school came to me and said, when you're finished with college, you've got a job here, which was unheard of 
at the time. Um, I never took him up on that offer, but still, that was like amazing. Again, the favor of the Lord. Mm -hmm. The kids loved me. I loved the kids. It was a rough junior high. It was in the middle of Santa Ana. Nobody else wanted this gig. And I took it and just loved those kids. I had three um, Mexican kids that couldn't um, read. And I told them, look, reading is really easy. I'm trying to learn Spanish and it is muy difícil. You teach me Spanish, I'll teach you to read. Those kids read in two weeks. And Mm. I remember saying to them, I'm a better teacher than you are because you, my Spanish is still terrible (laughs) and you're really good (laughs) at reading. And um, I just loved doing that. Um, So anyway, Christmas comes, Christmas passes, and um, I'm on a break at UCI and have this friend who challenges me to come to his Bible study that he's doing in Huntington Harbor. And I kept saying, I'm going to come, I'm going to come, but, you know, I've got school or I've got this. And, you know, again, I'm taking 22 units every quarter. So I finally have a break and I go with two of my most gorgeous friends. They're both just beautiful. And I was um, at UCI. I decided that I didn't want to date anyone. So I was going to let my eyebrows grow and I wasn't going to wear any makeup. And I was just going to be like, you know, not a temptation to anybody. You know, I did play volleyball. That was like my big thing. And, you know, I had gained weight and I just I just thought, you know what, I'm going to do this for Jesus. I I don't recommend that. But anyway, I'm walking out of a Bible study with these two gorgeous friends and there's a guy coming in with crutches and he's got a cowboy hat on and he's like, hey there to me. And my friends go, whoa, what was that? I'm like, I don't know. So then I go back to the Bible study the next week because I still have one more week free. And this young man starts talking to me and he's just um, in earnest and we're talking about the Lord. Mm. And there was such a connection. I had never felt heard before or that I could totally be myself with somebody. Mm. And we're just talking about Jesus. And that's like my favorite subject. But, you know, sometimes you talk with your friends, you're like, whoa, 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 that's a little spiritual. And you're like, Ugh. and so he's he and I are just going back and forth about the Lord and about our experiences. And then he tells me, you know, I want to be a pastor someday. And I'm like, that's really cool. What are you doing now? And he's like, I'm plumbing. Right then, as we're talking, this girl comes up and takes his hand. And it looked like they were playing hand games with each other. And he's still talking really intently to me. And she's glaring bullets at me. So it's time to leave. And I just wanted to get away from her because I thought she was going to take me down. So I leave with my two friends. And I remember we were at my girlfriend Sue's Volkswagen Bug. And I'm sitting in the back seat. And they said, you were really talking to that guy. I said, that was the the neatest guy I've ever met in my life. I said, I was so impressed with him. I said, in fact, that's the only type of guy I could ever marry. I don't plan on getting married. I had a club that nobody would join called uh, Bachelorettes Till the Rapture. <laughs> and I said to my friends, that's that's the only type of guy I could ever see myself with. I, I can't see myself with anybody else. I had a dating history that I only dated for two weeks and then I never wanted to see that person again. Um, well, and there were a few that came to you and said, I believe God has told me exactly. that you should be my wife. I and had about like, five of those. who are you? No. Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, I, because the Lord gave me a vision of sitting to breakfast with Chuck Smith. And it's like, no. So <laughs> anyway, this young man didn't know who I was. And so I like that too. So anyway, but he had a girlfriend. And I just told my friends, that's the most amazing man. So fast forward, I see him at church and... He says to me, uh, oh, he's talking to me again. It's a great conversation. And this girl comes up 
again and says, oh, you're holding my Bible. And I'm like, okay, I'm out of here. So that's a closed door. So then I see him again a week later. And he says to me, that girl's not my girlfriend. I just took her to that Bible study and she tried to hold my hand. I just want to see her saved. And I said, (laughs) oh, okay, great. And he's like, yeah, but would you go out with me sometime? This was uh, Valentine's Day. And I had had, um, I had been really sick that day. And I was supposed to go on a ski trip, but because I was sick, my dad told me I couldn't go on the ski trip. So I'd stayed home and then felt perfectly fine that evening. So I'd gone to the Thursday night study, which was uh, February 14th. And it was Brian Broderson who asked me out. And I said, yeah, I'll go out with you. So we started dating and, you know, fell deeply in love. <laughs> so funny because I didn't know I was in love. My sister knew I was in love before I did. And she told my dad, this oh, is the one. Great. And my sister-in-law said to my brother, that's the one. Mark mm. my words, that's the one. So my dad comes home from a trip to Israel and said, I heard you you met the one. I'm like, dad, <laughs> <laughs> I finally have a Christian boyfriend that I've lasted with over two weeks. And Greg Laurie had written a book called Christian Dating. And I was dying to have put all of it into practice. And now I could because I had my, and my guy. <laughs> and so my dad's like, well, no, I heard this one is pretty serious. I'm like, ah, well, you know, that's my first boyfriend. He goes, I heard you had your arm around him. I'm like, I might have. So he's asking me, how much money does he make? He's asking me all these questions I was answering. He said, finally, he said, what's his last name? And I said, um, his last name, dad, you asked the best questions. I am so happy you asked that question. That's a great question to ask. He goes, you don't know his last name, do you? And I'm like, no, I've been dating him for for over a month and I didn't know his last name. Is that crazy? It's Brian. No, it's Come Brian. So, Everybody knows Brian. <laughs> so then that evening we had had a date and he's leaving my house. I'm like, let me see your driver's license. I just want to see it. Oh, very So clever. I'm like, oh, you're 155 pounds and I'm playing it up. And I give it and I said, and there you go, Mr. Broderson. And he goes, my last name is Broderson. Oh, shit. You didn't know my last name? And I'm like, why do I always get caught? The Lord loves me because I always get caught. And that's also part of my life being favored. Mm-hmm. I got caught. I was never allowed to do anything bad because my mom was praying. And so I always get caught. I always got caught. You know, I know. Siri just said didn't understand because I don't know how that happened. But I always <laughs> got caught. And that's that's the favor of the Lord. It is. To get, to caught, get, to get caught. To not get mm-hmm. away. So fast forward, Brian and I, we end up marrying May 23rd, uh, 1980. And again, we met that January. But my mom had come to me and said, look, all the dates that you've chosen for your wedding, I can't do. But I can do this date in May. And I'm like, Mom, that is so close. We just got engaged April 6th. I'm like, Mom, that is And for our younger way listeners, too close. that wasn't unusual. No. My parents dated for six weeks yeah. and then got married. So my mom's I think like- we were six months yeah. before we were married. There you go. Yeah. That's yeah. us. It was our era, right? Yes. If you know, was. you know. Well, so I- get down the aisle. Come I on. remember somebody, this girl visited this hippie house and the guy said, I think you're supposed to be my wife. And they got married that afternoon. I mean, so- Well, okay. <laughs> it lasted like- <laughs> 48 years until he died. But my story was we married and I was going back to school. I'm very happy and, you know, love school only to find out I was pregnant. I got pregnant on my honeymoon. That's what happens when you're pure. You get you get (laughs) pregnant right away. And so um, I started making adjustments and I um, made adjustments, had my um, beautiful little girl, March 7th, 1981, Kristen and. Um, the next year, Brian was doing the junior high at Calvary. He had been working at a surf shop managing. My dad offered him a job at Calvary. He took over the junior high. 
I loved being part of the junior high with him. He loved it. Mm -hmm. And then he got struck down with this weird illness and he was dying and we didn't know why. And he's, he had this smell of death on him. Mm. And I remember for four months and we kept going to the doctor and they'd say, well, it's a staph infection or it's this infection. And we would hold hands and we would pray and we would watch um, the 700 Club every morning, hoping that Ben would announce Brian's mm. healing. And it never happened. And I didn't know what the future, by this time we bought our first house in Huntington for ninety. $6,000 and I was pregnant with our second child and we didn't know what the future was going to hold. So um, about this time, um, this man named Chuck Eason started calling Brian and saying, I want you to come and preach at my church. And Brian's like, I can't even stand up. I can't preach at a church. He said, well, when the Lord makes you better, I want you to uh, preach at my church. And so Brian said, okay. So the Lord strengthened Brian enough to be in the room when I gave birth to Char, um, my second child, uh, Brian Charles Broderson. And then he had to go back to bed. So about a week later, he went back to the doctor and they said, oh, it's a staph infection and your children have it and you have it. And I knew that wasn't the Lord. I knew we didn't have a staph infection. Mm. So I said, Brian, I'm not taking antibiotics. I'm not giving them to my two-week-old baby. So my dad said, look, I know another doctor, Dr. Duke Kim, I want you to go see him. And Dr. Duke was an allergist. And he said to Brian, I want to test you for mercury poisoning because I see you have a lot of fillings. And true enough, Brian had gotten 20 fillings in one day by a dentist oh. who later overdosed on cocaine and died. Oh. So they found that they were leaking mercury in his body. He was dying of mercury poisoning. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, his mom, who was going to a prayer meeting, had called him and said, somebody had a word of knowledge that you have blood poisoning. Sure enough, that's what he had, blood poisoning. So we ended up going to this Christian. Um, uh, so doc, uh, Duke discovered it, sent us to a an, uh, dentist who slowly believed in this, removed his fillings and replaced them with porcelain. It was going to be $10,000, but Brian's teeth were so straight that he gave us a discount on it. It was amazing. A discount for straight yes. teeth. Yes, and Brian began to feel better. And so we were able to go down to, he did that Sunday in Vista. And the next week, the pastor said, actually, I'm quitting the church. And in a dream, the Lord told me you're supposed to be the pastor. So Brian ends up taking this church. He's still weak. We end up selling our house in Huntington Beach for 120000 but there was a bidding war. So we sold it for 125. It was 1,100 square feet, bought a house for 2,200 square feet in Vista for 125. I mean, it's just same, 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 same payment, same everything. Moved to Vista. Brian starts preaching at Calvary Vista. It outgrows. We get a new building. Our church grows to 3,000 people. We end up having two more children. Uh, we moved to a different house in Oceanside. During this whole time, best church ever. Most wonderful people. were you people. in Vista? We were there 13 years. 13. I knew it was a while. Yeah. And, and did you have all your kids by the time you left? Yeah. Or, yes. Yep. So we were there. So that really was that season of life of right. raising kids and being in a great church community right. and, and lots of friends. Great church community. Beautiful. Plus we started, we we um, we bought a an old kind of Home Depot building and made that our church. Mm -hmm. So we had grown to that point. We had three services because we were so packed out and the church could only hold 800. So we had three services, an overflow room that was filled in a 
uh, children's room and Sunday school and started a school. And um, we used to do an outreach on Halloween night. We call it Hallelujah Night. And we'd have, we had over 10,000 uh, kids show up. Mm. We were voted the best church in Vista three years in a row, which was amazing because one of the people voting was our uh, Mormon uh, mayor. Which was, uh. and she said that the area in Vista where we moved our church was going downhill, and it just went uphill when our church moved there. So we were there. We were part of the parades, very involved in the community. And you were doing lots of teaching then. Yeah. So you had that legacy. Your mom had yep. taught for years yep. with the women's I would do Bible the women's study. ministry. And also, mm-hmm. I would teach for my mom every time. Um, my mom is shy. And so sometimes she'd be asked to speak and she didn't want to. So she called me and I always needed money. So she'd say, Hey, I'll give you $20 if you'll speak for me. So I'd come <laughs> up and I'd speak for her. And so people here at Calvary knew me. And so I started getting um, asked to do retreats and mm-hmm. luncheons and other things. So about this time, my dad, 1994, asked Brian if he would come and transition into the pastorate here at Calvary. And I did not want to move back to Orange County at all. I just, I loved at Vista. I loved mm-hmm. how um, nobody care, cared what you wore. And there was something about coming back to Orange County, like you felt it the minute you came into Orange County, you know, I should be wearing beige. I don't have the right shoes. I don't have the right look. I just don't belong here. I don't have the right purse. And I just wanted to live the rest of my life in Vista. But I also had this yearning to live in England because when I gone to England in 1926, 1926. Oh, sorry, 1986, 1986. I was with my mom and dad and Kristen, and Brian had stayed home with Char. The Lord had given me a vision of Brian coming back and leading um, kids to the Lord. And so I had that vision, and I tucked it away. I told Brian, Brian's like, "Is there any surf in London?" And I'm like, "No, but you're going to live in London. I just know it. The Lord told me, and it's." It's with kids. You're going to minister mm. to all these kids and they're going to get saved. So Brian says to me, look, you know, he came up and it wasn't working out coming up uh, with my dad. It just, he felt like he was neglecting the ministry in Vista. And he's just like, this isn't the time. So he said yeah. to me, do you think we should move in, you know, back to Orange County? I said, absolutely not. I think we should move to England. And he looked at me and he said, you're right. So long That's story. A really distinct call right? for there to be agreement right away. Mm -hmm. Long story short, he had already done these forays into Yugoslavia and led these 25 kids to the Lord Mm -hmm. uh, back in 19, I think it was 90, it was still communist when he'd done it. And he started discipling these uh, kids and he would go over like every six months and spend time with them. And then he um, asked these guys who went to Calvary to go over there and be missionaries. And it was Calvary Vista that was supporting these missionaries. Mm-hmm. And all these churches started, a uh, church in Baia, a uh, church in Budapest, a uh, church in um, Estergom, um, all these churches, and then some in Croatia. And all these churches began to come as these kids got saved. Mm. And then we had to keep sending these young men from, you know, Costa Mesa. Yes. And a couple from Vista to facilitate these churches. And so that was like the first work behind the Iron Curtain. And then the curtain fell. And Brian mm-hmm. was also going into Russia starting churches. So he knew about church planting and he absolutely loved it. Calvary Vista had also started a church in um, in Virginia and uh, two in Virginia and other church plants. So we love church planting. So that's what we really felt led to do. To make a long story short, we moved to England in 1996. The Lord opened the doors and we planted Calvary Chapel Westminster 
in London. And we were there for almost four years and we absolutely loved it. But my dad came over and he gave us an ultimatum. You've got to come back or else. Mm. So we came back and we served with my dad for um, 20 years. And now you have... Four, four children, yes, mm-hmm. at this point. And they were older. Our daughter had moved back to the States and had gone to Bible college. And so we had just Char, Kelsey, and, and Braden that were moving back to the States uh, with us. And also by this time, uh, Kristen had come back to visit, met a man named Michael, who is like one of one of two of the best sons-in-law in the world, <laughs> and married Michael Smith. Uh, Michael W. Smith, not to be mixed up with the, um, I'm sorry, Michael C. Smith, not to be mixed up with Michael W. Smith. So she got married. And so she was, uh, they were living in Paris at the time because Michael had a ministry in Paris, plus he was modeling there. And so we moved back with the three kids and we moved to, we bought a condo. Uh, We'd sold our house. We sold our house in Oceanside, bought a condo up here because all we could afford was a condo in Santa Ana. So we had this condo and uh, lived there and um, worked with my dad, um, slowly uh, assuming the women's ministry from my mom who had dementia that was getting worse and taking care of my mom. Those were really, really, really hard times, really hard times. Uh, People didn't want us here. Um, They had loved my dad Mm. and they could sense that, you know, they didn't want Brian to be the next pastor. Uh, They wanted just about anyone but Brian. And it was hard and I could feel they wanted my mom to continue to minister and they resented me for taking over her ministry, even though she couldn't. And I remember just feeling all these walls. And we were met with so much criticism and slander that I didn't think the body of Christ was capable of. Mm. And it was very shocking, mm. very disillusioning. And this is when my roots went deeper into Jesus than ever before. Yes. Like, yes. I'm just going to go deep into Jesus. But, you know, anyone says they're rejected. Oh, my goodness. I just want to hug them. Because I know what that feels like. I've experienced that rejection in my life. I experienced it when I was young um, at the Christian school Mm -hmm. here. I Mm -hmm. experienced it then serving at Calvary, which shouldn't be. To make a long story short, my dad went to be with Jesus in 2013, and the church voted whether uh, Brian should be the pastor. And I remember there were hecklers there. There were people that voted no, then got up and walked out. But um, Brian won by a majority. It was 1,200 to, I think it was 100. And so he won by a majority. But among those people that walked out, I knew them. I knew knew so many of them. And I remember just the mixed emotions that night when Brian had the church because I knew there's going to be warfare. And sure enough, we were sued by people I love. The church was sued um, again and again. And... It's and then you know um, just a painful time. You've lost your father. Mm-hmm. Your mother is really struggling with dementia by this mm-hmm. point. And then um, she was moved to a different um, facility down in mm-hmm. Oceanside, so I could only see her once a month. And it was just uh, and then there was uh, just a huge split, a rift in the family, and it was mm-hmm. really hard. Um, so I'm going to fast forward. We've just been ministering faithfully. COVID hit. That was hard. Yeah. And then my mom died. Yep. Um, but by this time, my brother Chuck and I were able to go visit my mom, and that had started regularly. And then there was my mom's graveside. And I had asked my friends, will you pray for me? And they decided to fast and pray for me. And while I was there, um, there was such a healing that took place at yes. my mom's graveside. Yes. So that kind of brings us up to today. But I forgot, 2019, with COVID and everything 
Um, all uh, venues of ministry almost shut down. Um, I started writing these little things called challenges for people that were uh, homework that they could do at home. And then we started having discussion groups that we would film so that the women could feel part of it. But also at the same time, I said to uh, one of my coworkers, Jasmine, let's start a podcast. She mm-hmm. loved missionary stories. Mm-hmm. I love missionary stories. Let's just start telling people the stories we love. And that's how I'm so glad women you did. worth knowing was mm-hmm. birth. And Jasmine um, served um, with me. We did it 2019, 2020, 2021. And then in 2022, Jasmine took a job at a little college up in um, Montana. Montana, a little yep. Baptist college that she's so excited to be there. Um, we we correspond every once in a while. And in the meantime, I had met this incredible woman, uh, Michelle Yule, and she told me about her really good friend that had moved to um, Newport Beach. And I said, she said, you've got to meet her. Her name is Robin Jones Gunn. And I'm like, okay. And then you and I started corresponding via email. And I was like, I know I'm going to like this woman. I'm like, why are we corresponding? I We're giving you my phone number, like, let's text. And then I remember thinking, why don't we go out for coffee? And say, would you be <laughs> available for coffee? And I remember going to coffee, meeting you for coffee uh, down on Lido Island. Mm-hmm. And I remember, um, I didn't know what you looked like, even though I had friends, Jackie Insminger, who knew you. I Googled you so I could know you when I got to the coffee shop. And I remember walking in and seeing you order and getting like just butterflies, just so excited. (laughs) And I remember you turned around and you saw me because you Googled Mm -hmm, me. mm -hmm. And we started hugging like we'd known each other all our life. And the lady behind the counter is like, are you best friends? And we're (laughs) like, no, this is the first time we've met. And she's like, what? We're able to tell her about women worth knowing. Yes. And then you came as a um, guest and then you became my host co-host. And it's been so much fun to know you as a friend and a co-host. And I think that pretty much brings us to where we are today. Wow, Cheryl, well done, you. Thank you, thank you. I still minister. I'm going to England in a week to do a retreat. I still do retreats randomly. Still have Joyful Life Bible study. A little bit about your books. Yes. How many? Are there four? So far, five. I can't remember. Let's see. When a woman lets go of her fears, when a woman um, chooses to forgive, when a, oh yeah, there's four. When a woman, um, okay, that was fear, lies, forgiveness, when a woman chooses to forgive, and then when a, a woman's battle for grace. Yes. And that's with Harvest House because they like woman in the title for some reason, and I, I'm very obliging. And then Brian and I wrote um, a couple's book together. That right. was, That's uh, what I was thinking there were five. And we'll mm-hmm. put that in the show notes so that you can. Yeah, I think they're already look there. Cheryl's. Oh, good. Yeah. So, anyway, those are the books. And uh, and a lot of excellent teaching. You teach Sunday school, you teach I women's love school, ministry, right? Bible study here every Friday. So, those early years of the training and the teaching that's certainly gone on and the legacy of being uh, there as your mom was teaching the women's ministries for so many years. I think the the, faithfulness, again, that that's continued so that there's generation now, a a new generation that's being taught and being in that place of just get deeper into God's word. Let's understand who God is in our lives. And also, I have to say this, because I left Vista, and I remember before I left Vista, I said, I'm going to do like a leadership Um, classes for anyone who wants to come because I want you women to be able to lead Mm -hmm. um, other women and Mm -hmm. to teach Bible study. So I taught them how to read the Bible, how to study the uh, Bible, how to 
um, format a women's Bible study and how to um, to teach, how to organize. Mm-hmm. You know, did all that in these leadership classes and just about the personality and the heart of leadership. Then I moved to England, and I really thought I'd be in England for the rest of my life. And after four years having to leave those women, I was doing two Bible studies. It broke my heart. Mm. And again, I found like I didn't I I didn't raise up the leadership that I wanted to to be able to teach a, another woman. Actually, it was Jasmine's mom came along after me. Mm-hmm. Debbie Allnett began to raise up the leadership. Uh, Jasmine's mom, she's been on this program. She's mm-hmm. amazing. I love mm-hmm. her. So she began to raise up leadership after I left and. That made me want to come back. And I realized there was a lost generation. All my friends who I had known when I moved to Vista from um, Calvary, none of them had aspired to leadership. None of them were teaching. Mm, and I I thought they've been stunted. They haven't, yeah. they haven't progressed. And I realized the reason why was not because they didn't love Jesus or want to. It was because there had been some hoarding at the top. And nobody had allowed them to speak. Plus, you know, the church has gone into kind of a wow, spe- what an insight. spectator sport. Yeah. You know, just let one person, they'll be a star. And the one thing I didn't want to be is a star. I want to be a team player. That's mm-hmm. part of my background, too, is a team player. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, I want to raise up women. And through Joyful Life, we've raised up women and we've raised up leaders and we've raised up women who can teach. And we started a thing called... Um, when Leaders Lead, which is a conference we do for women who are either in leadership um, or feel like God's calling them to leadership. And we seek to equip them with everything they need. That's where I met Michelle Yule, for leadership in whatever capacity they are. And so that's really a burden on my heart. That's probably why I'm teaching Sunday School. It's Mm -hmm. to raise up leaders, and especially women. You know, men have their own people raising them up. And that's why I want to tell these inspiring stories, because I believe that every woman who knows Jesus is called to lead another woman. To Jesus, and so I know we've gone over time, but that's well worth it. The objective of yes. my heart, and kind of like where I'm seeing in the future. And we are honored that you'd share your story with vulnerability and with kindness, so that it helps the understanding of the role in ministry and what's for the next season. And I've seen God lead you into what's next, what's next, what's next. Always and faithfully. Yep, it's faithful. There it is. Once again, there he is. But I sure love doing this podcast with you. This is one of the. um, It's a delight. It's it's a a highlight. That's the word I was going to use. Yeah, yeah. So until next week, Robin. Yes, Robin Jones Guns saying goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones Gunn. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Robin on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at WWK at CCCM.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Robin Jones Gunn.